You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 443 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Roman Turner is a classically trained French chef term developer, self-proclaimed JavaScript and sushi enthusiast with a soft spot for Ruby and Masubi. His passions include curating wonderful experiences for websites and dinner guests alike. He lives in Portland, Oregon with his wonderful partner and their pup, Jasper. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Roman. Thanks, Brittany. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. This is my first time on a podcast, actually, and I'm a huge consumer of content. So as a fan, it's good to be in the driver's seat for the first time. It is so awesome to have you. And I have to say the Ruby and Masubi rhyme right there. I mean, we're already off to a great start. So Roman, what is your developer origin story? Well, two weeks ago, my partner described me as a Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump kind of character where you can dissect a different portion of my life and I was doing something different. Within that, my developer origin story started fairly recently. It was due to the pandemic. A lot of folks have lost their jobs. I was in an industry, the hospitality industry during the time. My partner was as well. And we both got a little stir crazy within the first couple of weeks of being at home. And I don't know if we have a lot of listeners that have been in the hospitality industry before, but we're very much a industrious folk. So we always think that, oh, if we had a couple of weeks off, this would be fantastic. But then after being locked up for a couple of weeks, they start getting a little cabin fever. So we both pivoted during that time. I was a chef in Pike Place Market in downtown Seattle. When it all shut down, I'd been in the market for about six years. And so I knew pretty much everybody from the butcher to the fishmonger to the producer. They were all within like a hundred feet of the restaurant. It was a really cool experience and a big part of why I love community so much is because it fostered that kind of feeling. Going into this pandemic, we thought it was going to last a little while. So looking around the market, I saw all of my friends at these producers sitting on extra stock and we wanted to keep our doors open and use the commercial kitchen that we had. So we piloted a meal kit service out of Pike Place Market. And during that, that's when I had to do everything. I was writing the menus, I was preparing the food, I was making deliveries, and I had to tackle the online store. Within that, I first started on WordPress. I was like the bare minimum cognitive overhead because I was already so busy. I just wanted something simple. And let me tell you, that was not that (laughs) experience. (laughs) WordPress, e-commerce sites, I mean, I think it was easier learning JavaScript than it was trying to make an e-commerce site on WordPress. Yeah, I would have to back that, Roman. So I have myself have been lucky in the fact that I've never had to deal with WordPress. But anytime I think about WordPress, I always think like highly customizable. There's consultants out there. There's plugins. It's PHP. It might be Node. I think I would have reached. Well, I was trying to do a no code solution. I'd probably reach for Shopify or Squarespace, but I haven't been in the e-commerce space in quite some time. Well, and that's exactly it is I had complete ignorance of this whole space and field because I hadn't touched a computer except for inventory for probably five years plus. I didn't have a computer at home. I wasn't really using the internet for anything besides social media, keeping up with friends, et cetera and fulfilling orders for the restaurant. I didn't live in that space. And so when I looked it up, it was like, oh, WordPress owns the web. And it's like, okay, but 
the real story was as soon as I did find Shopify and I pivoted, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Not only did it inspire the ease of making an online store, just the natural curiosity, I think, in a lot of us as developers, where we sort of get into these rabbit holes. And I'm like, how did they make this site that can make websites for people? And so that's what kind of got my interest going in that direction. Now, unfortunately, the restaurant that I was working out of, our lease ended and I didn't have enough money to start a new business in Seattle. It requires a huge amount of regulatory red tape. And during that time, the city was backed up. So even to get a business license, it would have taken months and months and months. And it was unsustainable at the time. But I did have a little lump sum that I've been saving. And it was luckily just enough to get me into a boot camp. And speaking of Shopify, I looked up, hey, what do they use? How do they make their site? And it was Ruby on Rails and React. I'm like, what are these alien terms? I have no idea what they are. So I looked them up and there was a boot camp that was like, hey, we'll teach you how to use these tools. So I signed up. And long story short, it was the best decision I've ever made. Oh, I love that so much. So you are currently a junior developer at America's Test Kitchen, which I think is so cool. As someone who writes code and manages people during the day, at night, I spend a lot of time with my partner watching cooking videos and aspiring to be as good of a cook as you are, Roman. And so I'd love to talk about your role at America's Test Kitchen and how you landed that job. Oh, definitely. I couldn't get into the door as a chef, so I had to find another way. Love it. And <laughs> so that speaks to my cooking ability. When you're in an industry and you're pivoting, you don't have the access to the network that you're coming from. So I knew a thousand chefs, but I didn't know any software developers. Networking is so huge in any industry. I could get a job just with any of my contacts as a chef in a different restaurant in the city in the same day. Getting your foot in the door in, especially in the tech industry, is hard enough knowing people as it is. So when you have no contacts, it was a strategy to make contacts. And the way I did that was I didn't want my background to look worthless. I've been managing kitchens for almost 10 years at that point. So there's a lot of soft skills that I can bring to a team. There's a lot of passion that I can bring to a team that I think the work ethic that a hospitality worker can bring to a team are very valuable pieces of the puzzle. That being said, I didn't want those to be overlooked. So I made a list of about 100 companies that wouldn't overlook that background. And then I went on LinkedIn and I looked for every single person in a hiring position in that company, whether it was somebody in a recruiter or a lead developer, something hiring adjacent. And I just reached out to him and I asked, hey, can I get 10, maybe 15 minutes for a coffee talk and talk about not give me a referral, but about how they got to where they were at, how they liked the company, what's the atmosphere in that kind of situation. Sort of cold call, get a network started and start talking to people in that direction. It actually had a really, really good turnout. I mean, I probably reached out to no less than 500 people and I probably got about 10%, about 50, 50 meetings out of it, which I think is pretty good for just messaging somebody on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Were you even doing that with a premium license or are you just doing it regular LinkedIn? 
oh, I got the preview. Yeah. Oh, I knew that. that I knew I had to send those messages out. So I'm like, that's the thing about LinkedIn. It's your only premium when you're unemployed. (laughs) That should be their little tagline. (laughs) LinkedIn (laughs) premium when you're unemployed. I love that. I connected with one of the developers at America's Test Kitchen, but it took months and months and months for us to garnish a relationship until I asked him to be a mentor because I was working contracts during that time. So I didn't get into the industry with an offer right out of boot camp. I picked up contracts and that's where I gained most of my chops, honestly, because when you're responsible for the whole foundation of a website, um, managing the database, styling and designing the front end and having that type of control you have to like learn a lot. It's kind of the throw yourself in the fire kind of situation. And so one of the lead developers at America's Test Kitchen, I reached out and he provided a lot of mentorship and he got to see me grow firsthand. And through that code review and through that mentorship, he really pulled for me to join the team there because he saw the growth, he saw the passion. And if you put yourself in a place where that's visible, I think that's like, Coding in public is really popular for that reason too, because people can see your skill sets. It gets you out there a little bit and it holds you accountable. It's really great for showcasing that and potential career and employment opportunities. I'm going to take a moment to tell you all about Honey Badger's cron job and heartbeat monitoring. How important are cron jobs to your business? For me, they are absolutely mission critical. Honey Badger monitors your cron jobs and services to make sure that they don't silently disappear. When Honey Badger is quiet, life is good. Have you ever considered implementing heartbeat monitoring? Honey Badger also makes that incredibly simple as well. Honey Badger gives you a URL, then you call the URL. If Honey Badger stops hearing from you within the configured time period, they're going to go ahead and alert you. Honey Badger just keeps adding more and more tooling that all developers need. To dive into all of this, head on over to honeybadger.io. So Roman, you and I met at Sin City Ruby, and then we also got to see each other again at Rails SaaS Conference. So my understanding is that you are a React developer at America's Test Kitchen. You have Ruby APIs, but you're not currently writing Ruby, yet you are becoming more and more of an institution in the Ruby community, which I think is so awesome. So why did you decide to make the investment to attend Rails SaaS and what takeaways did you have? A couple notes on that too is I love conferences. I didn't have conferences as a chef. You know, you don't really get that opportunity in the hospitality industry. And so going to a place where you're encouraged to learn and grow and network with other people is like what I count as a privilege to this industry and many industries. I think that they're just wonderful opportunities. That to garnish community. When I was deciding coming out of boot camp on what language did I want to specialize in? Because it's kind of like that day and age where you can't just be this full stack developer. Even though that's what I wanted to be, I wanted to be a full stack developer. I wanted to be able to create a product or a site from the ground up. And that's what led me to pick Ruby was the ability to control everything with the Rails framework. But also a huge part of it is community background. Being in a small marketplace for a long time, having that daily ritual is so special. You get to meet everybody, you get to know everyone and It enriches your life, community does. And when you analyze the communities that exist between when you're like starting off development and you have 
the JavaScript community or the Ruby community, there's some core differences that you can see between the two communities. Not to downplay any of the individual contributors in the communities, but when you see JavaScript communities, it feels more like someone's trying to sell you on something, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like there's a new framework. There's something else. It's so hard to keep up and there's a growing amount of complexity to keep up with. Unfortunately, most of the jobs for juniors are in JavaScript and that's what I ended up landing. So I work primarily on a Next.js application and I enjoy the tech. It's one of those situations that you find yourself in where I think a lot of people just like being good at what they do. And Mm -hmm. that's what drives me. I love learning and I love being good at what I do. And so whether it's a React framework or if it's Ruby on Rails, I'll find a way to enjoy it and to excel at it. But it's like going back to that community aspect. I attended a couple conferences, JavaScript conferences, and it just didn't hit the same. It was a lot more shallow when I was at these JavaScript conferences. Everybody had something that they were pitching. I'm very fortunate to have gone to a Ruby conference. I went there as a scholar right after bootcamp. And shout out to my mentor, Colin Gilbert, who is another pillar in the community. And he helped and introduced me to a lot of people who now I consider friends. And through these like conferences and talking online, you get to grow those relationships. I love that. Also, Colm is amazing. So I completely agree. He's a pillar in our community. And you are, I'm going to say it, very lucky that you got partnered with him at RubyConf. And I love that the scholarship program was almost part of your entryway into this community. And it has kept you just loving the ongoing conferences that keep happening. Now, this kind of lends really well into the next question I have for you, Roman. And that's around personal brand and identity. And I think this is something that we really should take some time to think about because I think it's important to have a personal brand and identity in this community. So what is your brand, Roman? And how do you know it is your brand? It's a very interesting question. And it's something that I think about often where you look at a lot of people online and inside of the community. And if I say specific terms, oh, the Rails testing person or the speed shop person, people immediately will have an idea of who they're referencing. And that's a really important thing about like branding yourself as a developer because it opens up so many doors. And that opportunity, it's really, it's the imagination is the limitation for having a strong brand. But that being said, I've always felt like when I graduated bootcamp, they always talking about creative online brand, create connections that work with people. And you'd see the same stuff from most juniors getting posted online where it felt pretty inauthentic. The same type of blogs were being written, the same LinkedIn posts. I don't know. I would call it like a LinkedIn vibe where it just does not seem real. And I think there's a strength to authenticity. And I think if I even tried to create a brand for myself, it never turns out to be the brand that you want or that you're aiming for, I guess it would be akin to like a nickname. The worst nicknames are the ones that you pick for yourself. For me, I like to think of it as almost like a trio of words. So like when I think of that person in the community, like there are certain words or phrases that I think of. 
let's try to do that for each other. Let's do that, Roman. I'll go first. I'll have you do it for me. Are there any words that you associate when you think of me? Red blazer. Red (laughs) Red blazer. So, I mean, to be fair, I am loud. You know, I like loud lipstick. I like loud clothes. I like facial piercings and tattoos. So I would say that's very on brand for me. And I get really excited when my friends purchase a gift for me or see something that I might love. And it's very on brand for me. So another thing that might be on brand for me, if you think of me and think of fitness, just because I love to run and work out so much. But then also my other brand is a harder one. And that is I'm a host of a Ruby on Rails podcast and I don't write Ruby every day. And in some ways, that's a little bit of my brand because a lot of the other podcasts out there, it's Rubyists who are writing code day in and day out. And on the flip side, I'm hiring and managing those people. And so that's a little bit of my brand as well. So with that idea, Roman, when I think of you, I think tenacious, I think ambitious, I think gentle, I think sassy. You were one of the sassiest Rubyists that I know, and I love that about you. SCFS. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I actually think hope because someone who is writing React day in and day out and they still want to be in this community makes me feel good because I don't think React is that tangential to our community. And I love that you still want to be here and that you're very much a Rubyist. When I think of you, I think that there is hope out there to keep this community growing. And I think so as well. I know that all of my side projects I write in Ruby. Earlier this morning, I was even tinkering on a Rota app and just the simplicity, the beauty behind writing it, it does bring you joy, especially after diving through the hoops of why is this React component endlessly re-rendering when you know, you didn't change the API or some library somewhere is affecting it. I think that we're kind of at that cusp of going back. You hear all of the people online talking about progressive enhancement, Remix invented it. But meanwhile, the communities that have been using progressive enhancement for the past decade, sitting here and quietly getting better and evolving their tool sets. And that's going to attract a lot of people when there's a mature tool set and group of tooling like hotwire like live view like htmx that are providing these incredible tools for developers with less cognitive burden you're going to see all of these people disillusioned drop back to these almost simplistic toolings and wonder why they ever did the difficult stuff in the first place and i think we're on like a cusp of that so Having more people that embrace that community, because it is this duality. There's a lot of people that hate React. They're very impassioned about it. And it's almost, it bleeds onto the developers. It's like, it wasn't my choice. Getting a job is my number one priority, first off. And I did everything I possibly could to get a Ruby on Rails job. And I got a couple contracts, but, you know, at the end of the day, React's paying my rent. React is putting food on the table. And when people have vitriol towards a technology, it's hard for a developer who's writing that technology day in, day out, not to feel it from members of that community. So having people that still embody, hey, let's try and be as simple as possible, write elegant code and still have to work with React, 
it will draw more people towards the community. And it's, I, it's I could not agree with you more on that front. I find it so unhealthy when Rubyists go out there and they say negative things about other languages and other frameworks just for the giggles of it, because you're right. It's so easily construed that you're not attacking the language of the framework. You're attacking the people because the people are the ones who are making the decisions around that. And the only way the Ruby community is going to keep growing is if we can get those junior developers hired, which I think you will agree with me on that front, Roman. But we also need to have people that are writing other languages to come back and bring those ideas back into the community because that's where a lot of the really cool innovation comes from. A lot of really cool stuff has already been solved in other frameworks and we need to get that advice and learn those lessons so that way we can solve it in our own way in this community, right? Oh, definitely. And I think that's the key to surviving the next 10 years as a community because we're at a cusp of... Again, Ruby is an older language and the Rails framework has matured into where most of the people are either consultants or senior engineers. And if we want to have a blood transfusion of that into our community and get people in, it has to be through open arms and not through talking down the tech that's putting food on their table. This episode is sponsored by JetBrains RubyMine. RubyMine is an intelligent cross-platform IDE that provides all essential tools for Ruby and Ruby on Rails developers out of the box. It offers smart code completion and analysis, easy code navigation, safe automated refactorings, an interactive debugger, Git workflow support, database integration, and many other tools. All tools are integrated together in a highly customizable, productive, user-friendly environment. To get a special 20% discount for the listeners of the Ruby on Rails podcast, just enter the discount code Rails podcast during the purchase. You can apply this discount to JetBrains all products pack and use IDEs of your choice. Link will be in the show notes. Thanks to JetBrains for sponsoring the show. So being someone who's gone on the junior developer journey, and this is obviously a very hot topic right now, and someone who did ultimately get a job, is there one piece of advice that you could distill to those junior developers that might be listening? Whether or not it was to learn Ruby, go through that boot camp, whether it is to come up with business ideas and try to implement those. Is there one piece of advice that you'd really like those junior developers out there to be able to listen? I think one of the most important things, and this is going to be riffing off another podcast that I really enjoy, where they say your network is your net worth, where my boot camp at the end of the day, they didn't really help out with the job hunt after graduation. I was getting taught by people who were six months out of the course themselves. We find ourselves in this adversity and it's just the state of our society is we can't do this alone. And if we look to the most privileged in our societies, they can be defined with the power of their network. And that's what privilege is in a huge, not to simplify anything, but privilege is and it has a lot to do with what you have available. And knowing people is a resource the same as money. And so what helped me the most is getting to know people in, in the community and not just for getting hired, getting mentors that can help guide you in your path that have worked in the community or getting juniors that have just gone through boot camp, talk to them about their journey, about if they could go back, if they could rewind the past six months and redo something, what would it be? That's really valuable. 
because it just might save you $15,000 from a boot camp that doesn't really help you out at the end of the day. If you have that network resource, that's something that is invaluable. And I think that should be like the focus goal because I spent months and months and months pouring out resumes. All of them were a waste of time. It was purely getting to know people and working on my skill set and getting those chops up that eventually helped me get my foot in the door. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. So as we start to wrap up, Roman, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? The future on the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities. It's a great question. And as somebody that doesn't have a lot of context in the history, just somebody that has consumed the inordinate amount of media and content in the community, I feel like the future feels like it's on the edge of a knife sometimes where we are pushing the tech as a community, we're together, but there's some divisiveness. You have the whole base camp ordeal in the last year. Now imagine coming into the community when this is happening and this is like your first foray into like being a Rubyist and you have this huge divisive event. And then you have this huge push towards Rail 7. Wonderful new tech driving the force of it and you have great technologies like Hotwire. And then you look at the PRs on Hotwire and you see who's responsible for creating most of that code in Basecamp and they no longer work there. And you get this feeling of sense of unease where the community could turn one way or the other. And when you have divisive headpieces, it's hard to win people into the community. If that's what you're looking for, it's getting more people to write Ruby and use a framework that's really helpful. It makes it difficult to want to start, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly valid when all the drama broke out and, you know, it's continual as well. It's calmed down a bit, but, you know, we lost a lot of those core contributors. What really broke my heart is that the drama would break out. It would get posted to Hacker News and then you would just see all these comments being like, oh, I guess Ruby on Rails is dead now. That stuff hits SEO. That means when I search for Ruby on Rails dead question mark, those kind of comments are going to pop up, which is a little frightening. We want to seem like we're innovating. We want to seem like we're together and that we're all working on the same thing going forward. And if there's a question in leadership, which has happened in other coding frameworks, of course, but for someone who's new, Roman, I mean, that's a very valid point. You want to make sure that the thing that you're betting on, the thing that you're depending on your career is stable and is going forward. And so, yeah, if I was learning Ruby on Rails in 2021 or 2020, it would be not the same experience as when I was learning it in 2014. And that's a hard line. I think you have a lot of boot camps that just stopped teaching it during that time. And it's not like correlation is causation, but it doesn't help. But the bright side of this is there's so much more to the body of work of Ruby outside of a singular framework. Being a part of different communities is like little microcosms inside of the larger Ruby community where you have the stimulus reflex folks who are doing wonderful stuff. They're really pushing tech to the edge and trying to do as much as they can with Ruby. And it's wonderful to see. And you have Bridgetown RB, which started as a static site generator. And now they're having a conference coming up on the 7th as well. Looking forward to that. So we all know that I'm the official official president of the Andrew Mason fan club. But I did want to ask you, Roman, if you would also like to run for office. Run for office. 
I, but never, never dare to take any of that type of leadership position. I think that you are the captain of the ship and it is going in a great direction. But treasurer, I feel like that's a department that I could really help out with. Okay, I love that. So you'll be managing Andrew's money going forward. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear this. And so will Adidas. So we love you, Andrew, and (laughs) hope you enjoyed that. Now, Roman, how can listeners follow you? Oh, that's a hard one. So I actually am working on something right now, a little community based thing here in Portland called The Jeweler's Apprentice. And it's about to be published, but it's just teaching people in the community at my community center about web development. It changed my life. I want to give those resources back because, you know, if I learned about like web development 10 years ago, the way that it clicked, it might not have been the same with time, but it changed my life. And I want to do that for other people as much as I possibly can. So I'm just volunteering at my local community center. I'm going to be teaching basic web development courses, just give people a little taste of what's possible, not a full course or anything like that or a boot camp. But through that, that site will be published here pretty soon. That's the Jeweler's Apprentice. It'll be accompanied by my blogging. And, but for the most part, people currently can find me on what remains of Twitter at ScoopLaw. Love that. Okay. Well, Roman, thank you so much for being on the show. I think you provide such a unique view into our community and we're just so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate having you in the community as well. And I look forward to seeing you at a conference again. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.